This is Jenna. And this is Heather. And this is Conspiracies Unlocked. Today is all about the UAP hearing. This is part eight in overtime. Definitely overtime. So we wanted to just let you know that we're doing a different format for today's um, unlocking. Jenna is going to be our each of the representatives that speak. And I will be the whistleblower, so we're going to interview each other. Yeah, that way it's not just so mundane and just blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, and I'll try to do cool voices. That's why I'm going to be the representative, because I'm going to do Mr. Burchette's voice that's all Southern. I'm going to try to do it. He's from Tennessee. Tennessee, because you're the only 10 I see. <laughs> <laughs> Did you fall from heaven? Did it hurt when you fell from heaven? going to be fun. We're yes. going to have fun doing it. So. so we actually do start overtime with Mr. Burchett from Tennessee. Oh, okay. And um, Mr. Burchett he, uh, starts addressing Mr. Grush. So you're going to pretend to be Mr. Grush. Mm -hmm. I might have asked you this before, but I want to make sure. Do you have any personal knowledge of someone who's possibly been injured working on legacy UAP reverse engineering? Mr. Grush says, yes. Okay, how were they injured? Was this something like a radioactive type situation or something we didn't understand? I've heard people talk about Havana Syndrome type incidents. What was your recollection of that? And will you please define Havana Syndrome? <laughs> Havana Syndrome is a mysterious illness that affects diplomats and staff stationed in Cuba and other countries. The symptoms include hearing loss, dizziness, and other neurological issues. Some researcher, researchers have suggested that the illness may be caused by microwave weaponry, while others have dismissed it as mass hysteria or stress. The condition was first detected at the U.S. Embassy in Havana in 2016. Then Mr. Grush answers the question, I can't get into specifics, but you can imagine assessing an unknown unknown there is a lot of potentialities you cannot fully prepare for. How do you think we caught? We ought to handle you. A now it sounds weird. <laughs> How do you think your, we? Your Tennessee accent is a little off. <laughs> How do you think we ought to handle UAP whistleblower complaints like yours in the future? Mr. Grush says, "Uh, yeah. There's was some issue with mine." The PPD-19 process goes to the Intel committees, either through PPD-19 or ICD-120. There's not a good way for the intelligence community inspector general to provide that to other committees, and I asked my information to be sent to the House and Senate Armed Service Committees because there are Title X equities at play but there was no smooth process to do so. And because there's a lot of um, military terms in there, we're gonna define some of these things for you. Jenna, will you please define PPD-19? Yes, yes I can. The United States Presidential Policy Detective 19, signed by President Barack Obama, is designed to ensure that employees who serve in the intelligence community or have access to classified information can effectively report waste, fraud, and abuse while protecting classified information. It is the executive order establishing standards for all federal agencies with employees covered by the directive, including those under... Defense Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection and the U.S. Department of Defense Whistleblower Program. It also prohibits retaliation against these employees for their reports. PBD-19 accordingly establishes a system of intelligence community whistleblowing and source protection under the Office Director of National Intelligence and supervised by the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community, ICIG. National security directives are used by the executive branch, specifically the White House, to dissemin disseminate presidential decisions on matters of national security. The Obama administration called them Presidential Policy Directives, or PPDs. I s oh, now, now we're going to define... Here, I'll read it. Okay. Should we define it? Yes, we're going to define these things. Because when he was talking, I didn't know what this stuff meant. So no. I'm like, I need to look up the definitions. And our listeners may not know what these are as well. Yes. So to we're going to define 
ICD-120. This is an intelligence community directive that outlines the procedures for reporting and protecting whistleblowers within the intelligence community. It provides guidelines for personnel serving in the intelligence community to report violations through protective disclosures. The protections under PPD-19 are not available absent a pr protective disclosure. ICD-120 is not related to any military unit or operation. It is a directive that applies to all members of the intelligence community, including those who work in the military. Which makes sense because he's a whistleblower. So let's put all this into layman's terms. So what does all that mean? <laughs> it's, it's just, these are just in place to protect whistleblowers so they can come forward. Um, because oh. Mr. Grush is a whistleblower, this is the way that he reported his, what he was whistleblowing to the government. These are the avenues you have to go through. Oh, okay. You have to go this through, it's like everything. the paperwork, you know. Okay, so do you want me to define Title 10? Yes, Title 10, because he said that um, some of his claims did um, touch on Title 10. Or were part of Title X. Okay, so Title X of the United States Code outlines the role of armed forces in the United States Code. It pro provides the legal basis for the roles, missions, and organizations of each of the services as well as the United States Department of Defense. Each of the five subtitles deals with a separate aspect or component of the armed services. Oh, so it's just like if you're the, the army and then you're the sergeant, then that would be Title X. It's just all the different titles is Title Ten, and he was um, he was an intelligent part of the intelligence community. Okay, so can I go back to this mm -hmm. paper really quickly because now let's go back to Mr. Grush when he said, "Yeah, there was some issues with mine." The PBD nineteen process goes to oh, so he's talking about the process. The process was a fucking shit show. Yes. Okay, and That's so why then, we're defining it so we can so, understand what he's okay, saying. Okay, I get it now. Yeah. Okay, so then Mr. Burchette says, "Yeah, it's a trash can. Are you aware of any individuals that are participating in reverse engineering programs for non-terrestrial craft?" So he's so pretty much Mr. Grush, who's always in a skiff. They can't say shit. Is like no, the process was bullshit, and that's probably why he doesn't want to say shit because he's like, obviously, the process doesn't fucking work. I'm not protected, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And this is why, this is why Mr. Grush is so fucking skiffy. Yeah, because the wants, process is a trash can. Yeah, it's a trash can, and because of his clearance, if he says the wrong thing, like if he doesn't stay within like his, um, like. Um, well, at least we have a reason now as to mm -hmm. why Mr. Grush... He can go to jail, basically. Yeah, because he's he signed all these he's, NDAs and shit. Like, he can't say anything. That's why I don't understand the whistleblowing thing, like, at all. Like, it's only, totally... He's it only... contradicts a, itself. He's only... As a whistleblower, he's only allowed to talk about unclassified stuff. And everything uh, they're asking him is classified. Yeah. So that's part of the why problem. Why Grush is so skippy. Yeah. So then uh, we go back to Mr. Burchett. That's you. Yeah, I already said that. Yeah, it's a trash can. Are oh, you ever, yeah. yeah. Now, so um, Mr. Grush says yes personally. So he's saying yes. That he's aware of reverse a, engineering programs. Yeah, so there are reverse engineering programs by the government. Do you know any that would be willing to testify if there were protections for them? Mr. Grush answers, certainly, closed door and assurances that breaking their NDA, they're not going to get administratively punished for doing so. Exactly. And that, that's, so now it's making more sense. It's like it's finally coming out. We really needed this overtime so I could fully understand everything. So then Mr. Oh, there's a bat. Is there a back? Oh, and then no, Mr. Mr. Burchett yielded. Yeah. So now we're moving on. Um... The chairman then makes a statement that they're going to do something a little out of the ordinary and they're going to give an additional three minutes to three of the committee members to ask additional questions. He does say, let's start with Mr. Burchett um, and he could continue for another three minutes. So this is overtime, overtime. This is yeah. So they're just adding overtime to the overtime. So yeah, it's overtime to the overtime. Uh, Mr. Burchett asked if they could come back to him, and then they moved on to Miss Luna. 
Oh. So you get to be Miss Luna now. Ooh, Lou. Okay, yeah. let me get into my Luna voice. La, 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 la. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she starts by submitting for the record an article uh, by News Nation, which follows Mr. Grush's full interview for the record. Mr. Chairman agreed without objection. She then starts questioning Mr. Grush. Why is it that you refer to the phenomenon as non-human intelligence or deviate from the basis of extraterrestrial life? I think the phenomenon is very complex, and I would like to leave an open mind analytically to specific origin. When you say specific origin, can you elaborate on that for those who might not? Dot, 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 because he interrupts her and he says... If it's a traditional extraterrestrial origin or something else that we don't quite understand from either biological or astrophysics perspective, yeah, I just like to keep an open mind of what it could be. Okay, referring to your new nation interview, you had referenced specific treaties between governments. Article 3 of the Nuclear Arms Treaty with Russia identifies UAPs. It specifically mentions them. To your knowledge, are there safety measures in place with foreign governments or other superpowers to avoid an escalatory situation of a mal... Malevolent... 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 UAP event occurring? So let me get into, we need to, what is Article 3 and why should bringing up Article 3? Article 3 is Article 3 of our Constitution and it's very important. Let's get into it. Article 3 of the United States Constitution establishes the judicial branch of the U.S. federal government. The judicial branch, branch consists of Supreme Court of the United States as well as lower courts created by Congress. Article 3 of the European Convention on Human Rights prohibits torture and inhumane or degrading treatment or punishment. Article 3 of the UNCRC says that interests of children and young people should be thought about at all levels of society and that their rights should be respected by people in power. And in relation to UAPs and Russia, because Miss Luna does state mm -hmm. that UAPs are mentioned in Article 3. Why would UAPs be mentioned in Article 3 of our Constitution? I don't know, Heather. Why? I'm trying to figure it out myself. Do you know the answer? I do. Oh, good. <laughs> Article 3 of the treaty between the United States of America and the Union of Soviet Re Soviet Socialist Republics on the limitation of anti-ballistic missile systems states that the parties must notify each other immediately in case of detection by missile warning systems of unidentified objects or signs of interference with these systems or related communication facilities. If such occurs, could create a risk of outbreak of nuclear war between the two countries. Russia and the United States of America. Oh no. As for UAPs and Russia, according to a 2021 report from the U.S. Office of the Director of National Intelligence, it is likely that at least some UAPs are technologies deployed by China, Russia, and other nation or a non-governmental entity. Investigative journalist George Knapp, who is a longtime UFO researcher, has been looking into this issue for decades. In the 1990s, he traveled to Russia and developed sources, including the person in the head of the agency that handled UAP reports. Knapp claims that Russia has encountered at least 45 UAPs and has set fighter jets to chase them on 45 different occasions. In some cases, the fighter jets were even shooting at the UAPs. In most incidents, the UFOs were able to shoot away at unbelievable speeds and maneuver away from the missiles. However, two pilots were killed what? in three different incidents where U Russian 
airplanes were pierced and crashed what? by the UAPs. And there's... It is also reasonable to suspect that some UAPs described in the new report may be linked to foreign surveillance or military technology, even the ongoing Russian invasion of the Ukraine. What the fuck? Yes. It's all... It's all connected. It's all connected. So then we have um, a quote from... I'm telling you, it's getting That's juicy. It's all connected. I'm so confused. So Article 3 talks about Russia yeah. and the UAPs. That's so weird. Because it has to do with the whole missile treaty. Yeah. Like, we can't just go, like, shooting missiles at each other. There's rules, right? So then... There's a News Nation story dated July 31st, 2023 by Joe, I don't know how to say his last name. Kahili. Kahili. Um, this is one of my sources. And it gives more insight or actually gives a quote by George Knapp, which is the longtime UFO researcher who researched this information about Russia and the pilots that died. Um, George Knapp is quoted saying, Russia's program is likely the biggest investigation ever undertaken. Thousands of case files were accumulated. Nearly all of the witnesses who were interviewed were military personnel. Many of the incidents described to me by the program's director, Colonel Boris Sokolov, Sokolov. Sokolov is alarming. So... So Russia's getting attacked by UAPs. It's in Let Article. It's in Article Three. Um, people have died as a result of these uh, interactions. They're hostile, um, obviously, um, very hostile. But there's also claims that it could be technologies deployed by China. That's not even UAPs. No, I mean, well, UAP is just, uh, it's just they don't. It's like a UFO. It's just unidentified. It doesn't mean it's from like it's another outer dimension space. or outer space. It's just don't know what it is. That's why it's in Article Three because wow. it's a limitation of the anti-ballistic missile system. Because what if it's a missile? What if the UAP is a missile? You know, they don't know okay, what it okay. is. So they don't know. But now we're getting confirmation that it was. We're getting, we're getting all the confirmation that we're getting about Russia and UAPs is that there was at least 45 UAPs and that were seen in Russia and on multiple occasions Russia's military shot at the UAPs which they were able to maneuver away because they were you know they move at supersonic freaking speeds mm -hmm. they still tried to shoot at them but they retaliated the UAPs shot back and pierced the um, the the warplanes, and they crashed. And two pilots were killed on three different incidents that they know of. So I mean, there could be more. It's so crazy. I can't even. So yeah, that's pretty insane. I had no idea we were going to get into Russia. But, yeah, that's and so then crazy. they said that you know with the invasion of the Russian invasion of Ukraine that they are the I, they are using you know military surveillance for that obviously yeah. they have drones and stuff but mm -hmm. it's so crazy it's crazy so now going back to the hearing uh, mr grush does answer miss luna's question of the concerns for a malevolent malevolent event with uaps and mr grush's answer is he says yeah you were referring to the actual uh public treaty in the un register it is funny that you mentioned that. The agreement on measures to reduce the outbreak of nuclear war was signed in 1971. Uh, it's an unclassified public treaty available, and you can cite the George Washington National Security Archives, and you will find the declassified 2013 specific provisions in the specific red line flash message traffic with the specific codes pursuant to Article 3. Also, Situation 2, which is previously classified NSA archive. What I would recommend, and I tried to get access, but I got a wall of silence at the White House. <laughs> 
The specific incidents when those message traffics were used, I think some scholarship on that would open the door to further investigation using those publicly available information. So basically he's telling her, do your own homework and go, Figure it out. It's go all look at Article 3. He's telling her, look at Article 3, yeah. which we know what Article 3 is now. And, you know, go to the George Washington archives. Yeah. I mean, there's probably, obviously there's stuff that was declassified that would be useful to the UAP hearing. Yeah. So she has to do some homework. Mm-hmm. So you got to do some homework, Miss Luna. Thank you. My last question with 51 seconds remaining, you mentioned white-collar crimes potentially taking place in regards to a cover-up. Can you please elaborate? Uh, Mr. Grush answers, stating, I have concerns based on the interviews I conducted under my official duties of potential violations of the federal acquisition regulations, the FAR. And then Miss Luna yielded her time, and the chairman called upon Mr. Raskin for three minutes. And he started by thanking everyone and then addressed Mr. Fravor. You described your episode in Delta now, and you called it the most credible UFO sighting in history. Tic-tac... Tic, which was the tic-tac... A.K.A. the gimbal incident. I wonder, was this the first time you encountered a UFO or a UAP in 2004? Mr. Favor says yes. What was your general attitude or perspective on the UFO discussion before that happened? Mr. Favor says... I never felt that we were alone with all the planets out there, but I wasn't a UFO person. I wasn't watching the History Channel and MUFON and all of that. And you know what? I understand that because, like, I I feel like it's so silly to believe that with all the universes, all the planets, everything out there, the the infinite time, space, and everything, like, how, how can we be so egotistical to believe that we are the only people? That we are the only, like, signs of life. That there's nothing else out there. We might be the only people, but there's definitely, like, other a creature. Things, yeah, like, <laughs> life forms, other other places, you know? Like, that's so silly to think that we're it. Like, Earth is the only thing with living creatures. Yeah, no. Like, it's silly. So, anyways. Um, so, Mr. Raskin says... What was my Mr. Raskin voice? I forgot. You were very firm and stern. Have you had experiences or encounters since that happened? Mr. Favor simply says, no. Have you formed any general conclusions about what you think you experienced then? Mr. Favor says, yes. I think that we, I think what we experienced was like what I said, well beyond the material science and capabilities that we had at the time that we currently have or that we're going to have in the next 10 to 20 years. You've been, no, sorry. (laughs) And then I'm gonna, and then Mr. Raskin asks Mr. Grush, you've been able to answer in great detail on some questions and other things you say you're not able to respond to. Can you just explain where you're drawing the line? What's the basis for that? Dude, it's because Mr. Grush is skiffy. All these people are now calling him out on it. That's bullshit. Mr. Grush answers, based on my Dobster security review and what they have determined is unclassified. So that tells us right there. They're telling him what he can, can and cannot say. Which is so silly because you're a fucking whistleblower. You should be able to, like, you're, you're there to tell the truth you should be able to tell the fucking truth mm-hmm. i see you're answering any questions that ca- just call upon your knowledge of and unclassified questions but anything that relates to classified matters you're not commenting on in this context mr grush says in an open session but i'm happy to participate in a closed session at the right level yeah aka a fucking skiff you skiffy little bastard Okay, then, he addresses Mr. Gray. Oh. Okay, then. (laughs) He then So then he talks to Mr. Graves. You've said that there are dozens of fellow military pilots. Are there also commercial pilots who've encountered the same kind of sighting that you've described before? Mr. Graves answered, They are similar. Commercial pilots have less range and less sensors to be able to reach out and look for objects over a wide airspace. Commercial pilots are seeing them typically closer 
and the range of what they're seeing is pretty large. Wow. What is the most vivid concrete sighting with the naked eye of the objects that you've described before with the cube-like objects? Mr. Graves goes on to explain a UFO experience. Certainly, I think that a vivid sighting of that would have been near a near mid-air that we had at the entrance of our working space, our working station. One of these objects was completely stationary at the exact entrance to our working areas, not only geographically, but also at altitude. So it was right there with all of the jets, where all the jets were going essentially on the eastern seaborne. The two aircraft flew within 50 feet of the object. That was very, that was a very close visual sighting. And you were in one of the aircraft? Do you like my voices? <laughs> Because I've heard the hearing, so I know what they sound like. And that's not what they sound like. He, he's very, like, kind of soft-spoken. <laughs> I'm giving him some balls. Um, Mr. Graves states, I was not. I was there when the pilot landed. He canceled the mission after, and I was there. He was in the ready room with all his gear on, with his mouth wide open. I asked him what the problem was, and he said, I almost hit one of those darn things. He said he was 50 feet away from it. Yes, sir. His description of the object was the description you gave us before? Yes, a dark gray or black cube inside of a clear sphere. Inside of a clear sphere? Yes. With no self-evident propulsion system? Mr. Graves states, no wings, no IR energy coming off the vehicle, nothing tethering it to the ground. And that was primarily what we were experiencing out there. Wow. So they saw a lot of cube UFOs, a cube with a sphere around it. When have you ever heard of a UFO shaped like that? I don't know. It's so weird. Like, what I'm, else would it be? Like, what, 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 where did it, what? I have words, I promise, other than where and what. No, but I mean, just <laughs> like, think about that. Where, 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 I don't know. A like, black Where would it come from? What is it? How is it moving? It's just <sighs> weird. Yeah. Um. So, Mr. Raskin, is time is over, and now... Well, he went over his time, so he went over oh, his three minutes. And then um, he put it back to the chairman, and the chairman, chairman called on to Mr. Burchette. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is this is for all three of y'all, starting with Mr. Graves. Why did you come forward on this issue? Mr. Graves. I would love to know, too. Well, I'd like to know from Mr. Grush first, but anyways, go on. Well, Mr. Graves is the one that has all a lot of... Uh, yeah, the, but why did, why did Mr. Grush come forward if he ain't going to say mm -hmm. nothing? If he always has to be in a skiff. Mr. Great. Mr. Grush is has like I think the highest intelligence like yeah clearance. Go, yeah. So he 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 knows the most top secret stuff yeah. out of everyone. Yeah. So he is the one that can speak the least amount because he knows the most top secret stuff. So he can only say unclassified stuff in a public setting. So they keep asking him classified, and that's why he's like, I can't say, I can't yeah. say. They're not asking him the right questions. Yeah. They have to ask him the right questions. So, Mr. Graves answers Mr. Burchette, and he states that he came forward because I felt that my colleagues did not have a way to mitigate the safety threat, and I wanted to help them. I was trained as an aviation safety officer by the Navy, and this seemed just like it felt right. I felt I had to help folks that were still flying and dealing with this. Then Mr. Grush answers, Purely a sense of duty. I first swore an oath when I was a cadet 18 years ago, and I still uphold that even out of uniform. Mr. Fravor answers, and Mr. Fravor says, I was pestered by a friend, and I asked <laughs> why. And he said, you're the one person they cannot discredit, and you'll add credibility to the New York Times article. So after about six, 
lots of times, I said okay. And then everyone starts oh, that's laughing. Funny. Yeah, everybody just starts laughing. This town isn't made, unfortunately. Well, you gotta remember, say who you are, because sometimes oh. we just keep talking and they don't know if it changed. Oh, yeah, I, I'm still Mr. Burchett. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought my voice would give it away. Kind of? No? Okay. This town isn't made, unfortunately, by the people like y'all. We thank you, and I do also want to thank the people in the audience and people watching this that can't be here from all over the world that have kept this issue alive. You've endured criticism and derogatory remarks, and we're trying to get to the bottom of it. So God bless y'all. Thank y'all so much. We really appreciate you guys and gals. And then a loud applause, because Mr. Burchette is amazing. That's why we need term limits. Y'all keep clapping those politicians. Keep Just keep talking. More laughter comes. So let me ask y'all, how can the public contribute to UAP reporting? And what avenues do you think are available to the public to report these sightings? Mr. Graves answers Mr. Burchette by saying... Well, right now, I don't think there's a lot of public options for every man to be able to report on this. I think even for professionals that have sensor data that are seeing these on a regular basis, they are still hesitant to come forward. So for the general public, I think encouraging the conversation that we've had today, looking for tech technology solutions that can be distributed so objective data can be gathered. This is the first place to go. Mr. Grosh answers by saying, I'll just touch on the whistleblower side. I do encourage current, current and former military intelligence community and industrial, industrial, industry, I can't say the word. Industry? Industry <laughs> contractors to come forward in a legal way, even through or either through IC or DOD, whatever the cons cognizant I can't say that word cognizant con cognizant DIGs are to lead. You know, join me in this discussion, Mr. Burchett. Commander Fravor, I guess I should say this for the record. My daddy was a United States Marine Corps, first major, first, first Marine, Marine Division. So overall, yes, sir, he was old school. He served with Chesty Puller, and Chesty Puller was a well-known sol soldier. Mr. Fravor just said, wow, because serving with, with Chester Puller is, like, huge. Then Mr. Burchett continued saying, I'm not anything like my daddy. He was incredible. I'm very mediocre to say the least, but go ahead. Mr. Favor says, well, you seem to be doing fine. For me, uh, you know, I was an accident investigator. So the biggest thing you can learn, and I think what witnesses need to do is one, don't try to make the fish bigger than it was. Stick to the facts, write it down, and don't speculate what you think it is, because it's not for your decision. Just write the facts down. We all get the facts together, and we start to do the investigation, and then we get a real honest story. Instead of, it was this big, and he spread his arms like super, super wide. Mm, fish stories. Thank you all, and I want to thank everybody. We made history today. Mr. Chairman, I yield. And then Mr. Chairman moves on to Mr. Garcia, who does a lit, very, like, five-page paragraph. So here you go, Mr. Garcia. Take it away. <laughs> How shall my voice be for Mr. Garcia? What? Mr. Garcia is only, um, I think he's the one that's only been in office for, like, seven months. So he's, like, he's, like, he's the new, newbie. He's, he's the newbie. I, I think now I, we are going to be making some closing remarks. So I just want to say a few things. First, to our witnesses, I want to thank all of you for being here with us today. I know that it takes a lot of courage. You're telling really important information to this committee, and I want to thank you. Wait, I'll wait, wait. Let's play a game. What's the game? Every time Mr. Garcia says important, take a shot. <laughs> Does he say it a bunch? Yes. Okay. It's his favorite word. <laughs> I'm 
I'm gonna tell you every time he says important. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, no, no. Okay, instead of instead of take a shot because you will we'll black out. For let's let's see if you can. <laughs> let's see if you can. Um, whoever gets the right number of of um important, I don't know. We'll do something. I don't know something. Will happen. <laughs> okay, go. Okay, he's an important at least once, right? Yeah, I was about to say it. Yeah, I think so I, I already see it like four or five times. So hold on. Okay. Okay. Start over. Start over. I will. Okay. So this is Mr. Garcia. I think now I know we are going to be making some closing remarks. So I just wanted to say a few things. First to our witnesses. I want to thank all of you for being here with us today. I know that it takes a lot of courage. You're telling really important information to this committee. And want to thank you also for all three of your service to our country. I also want to note that today's hearing was both important and serious. I want to thank our subcommittee chairman, Mr. Groffman, for running a very fair and substantive hearing. I do want to thank the committee staff on both sides for the amount of work that it took to put this hearing in place, and certainly to all the members who have been involved in this issue prior to the hearing. I also want to note for the witnesses and our public that I'm a freshman member of Congress of seven months. But this is by far the most bipartisan conversation and discussion that I have ha seen happen in the Congress. I think that to a topic of this significance as it relates to our national security, as it relates to information that we're trying to gather for the American public, does bring people together. I think that's really great to see. I think it's also important to note for the public, we today in our hearing, we had on our side, on both our full ranking member, who's Mr. Raskin, and vice ranking Mr. member, Ms. Ocasio-Cortez, OAC, pretty much, both here at our hearing. I think it shows the importance and seriousness that our side of the aisle is taking to this important hearing, but also the broader issue as it relates to working with our Republican counterparts on this committee. I want to additionally add that I think and I encourage, I think it's really important that we have and continue these discussions and these hearings. <laughs> Clearly, there's a lot of information that we don't know, but it's also very clear that we need to continue our investigation and accountability on asking the right questions and ensuring that they are a part of the public record. One thing that was important today <laughs> is some folks might wonder, you know, why are we asking questions that are put into this record as it relates to this committee? I want to thank you for answering some questions multiple times, not just maybe meeting you had with members, but also here in the public. Let me also just add an additional note. It is important that our friends in the media and those that are not just reporting on this hearing, but that reporter on this topic that may be in the future. The media has an important role in this process and it's very important that the media engages, does independent investigations and reports on not just what just happened today, but what they see independently around UAPs in the broader community. That's also an important public benefit that we have been trying to get the information and facts as it relates to this. Let me also say finally that as a teacher and an educator and longtime researcher, that I also really believe in following facts and doing your homework and making sure you follow science as we try to get the most infor information possible. Thank you for all for agreeing to do that today. Transparency is the cornerstone of government. We live in a vast galaxy. A lot of unanswered questions, and thank you for all being here today. That was very important. <laughs> How many times did they say it? I counted at least ten. So you would be dead now if you're doing shots. So, Mr. Uh, Mr. Chairman said thank you to Mr. Burchett and Miss Luna for bringing this to our attention. It's a topic that has interested me since I was in school. It was a very illuminating hearing. Obviously, I think several of us are going to look forward to getting some answers in a more confidential setting. I assume some legislation will come out of this. Um, Mr. Burchett asked to speak. I apologize, Mr. Chairman. 
I need to compliment the folks in my office that did a lot of work on this. Rachel and Noah sitting behind me here. They're very quiet and humble, but without them, this thing would not have come off like it did. So I apologize. (laughs) Mr. Chairman says, thank you. I think we are going to want to look into what we can do to make more of this information public. I think there's certainly a time period after which it should always be made public and people have been concerned about these issues, like I said, since I was in high school. In any event, I'd like to thank everyone who was here, sticking through the entire hearing without objection. The members will have five legislative days to submit materials and submit additional written questions for the witnesses, which will be forwarded to the witnesses for their response. If there's no future business, this will conclude our hearing. And I, as Jenna with Conspiracies Unlocked, would also like to thank everyone who was here sticking through the entire hearing without objection (laughs) (laughs) for all eight parts thank you you guys are the troopers uh we have our overall main takeaways which yeah should we do this today yeah we gotta do the main takeaway well no i was just gonna say should we wait for another episode because there's a lot of main takeaways but we can do it all today we're only 40 minutes in you want to do it today or do yeah. I think we should do it today and we can move on because I have other things. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I already have three other stories going, okay? Like right. episodes that are like ongoing. I just, I mean, I love the UAP. Obviously, uh, if you know me, you know, I, I have a tattoo of an alien on my leg, okay? Yeah. So I'm into it, but I've been doing it for so long now. I'm just ready to, let's just move on to the takeaways and sign off. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so do you want to talk about the takeaways? I'll let you tell me about the takeaways. This is, this is your project. Okay, so the takeaways. Um, number one main, and these are my takeaways. Now, that other people might have different takeaways. These are what I thought were important, okay? So the number one is the government is absolutely in possession of UAPs. Uh, David Grush, a former U.S. intelligence officer, told the panel that he is absolutely certain that the federal government is in possession of UAPs, citing interviews he said that he conducted with 40 witnesses over a four-year period. So my reaction to that little statement is from just today's episode, we learned that, well, we didn't learn, but... It reminded me that UAPs don't mean that they're out of this world. UAPs are just like unidentified aerial phenomenon or yeah. UFOs unidentified flying object. Yeah. So the U the UAPs, UFOs that the government has, they could be from of this world. They just don't know what it is or what country it came from or who made it. But technically saying that you that they have a ufo i'm just playing devil's advocate here Mm -hmm. saying that they have a ufo could just mean that they have an unidentified something it could be from russia from china or something yeah i mean that's what article three even says no yeah and that's that really did like put all the whole ufo thing into perspective for me and look at it in a different way yes um david grush is a former u.s intelligence official He uh, did state that he led the Defense Department efforts to analyze and reported on UAP sightings. And this was informed by, he informed us, it was a multi, he confirmed, it was a multi-decade Pentagon program that um, collected and reconstructed crashed UAPs. So he confirmed reverse engineering. So that was like, the number one takeaway. Number two is that there was non-human biologicals that were found at crash sites. Uh, Also, David Crush, who uh, underscored that he is not personally, he has not personally spotted a UAP, but he did tell the panel that he knows of multiple colleagues who were injured by UAPs. He also said that he has interviewed individuals who recovered non-human biologicals from crash UAPs 
And non-human biologicals is the term he likes to use to keep an open aperture because everyone's saying, well, why don't you say alien? Why don't you say extraterrestrial? He just likes the term non-human biologicals. Because it might not be an alien or an extraterrestrial. It could be some... AI? What if it's AI? What if it's like a robot? What if it's something that came out of the hole in Antarctica? You know what I mean? Interdimensional. Right? Oh, no. inner earth. The inner earth. What if it's one of the inner earth people? So it wouldn't mm -hmm. be human. It would be another creature, I guess. An inner another earth. species? Spe yeah, another species of human or not even human classification. Mm -hmm. So Another life form of this planet. Of this planet. Of not this even planet. of a different planet, but of this planet. Yes, and then the third takeaway is officials must establish a safe and transparent reporting progress uh, process. So lawmakers and witnesses push the federal government to establish clear channels of communication for UAP information with both the public and military and said the military should establish a comprehensive reporting process for unidentified objects and sightings. So they are supposed to already have that in place, but they it don't. seems that they do not have a substantial good thing in place. They have really nothing in place. Yeah, but I thought they did. I thought that that was... It's very... It's, it's not... Crappy. It's a trash it's, can. It's a trash can. Yeah. So number four takeaway is there is a huge stigma associated with sightings and a sil which silences possible witnesses. Mr. Graves told the panel that the stigma silences pilots who fear professional repercussions, which he said is co compounded by recent government claims questioning the credibility of uh, eyewitness testimony. So they're basically just saying you're crazy and you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And that is also why they, I don't know which one said it, but somebody said that it was so important whenever you do say that you saw something don't blow it out of proportion don't make it huge mr fravor commander yeah, fravor. just make sure that you tell the truth of what it is because if you make it like this big fish story that it's like you know you, there was a 20 foot like alien that landed in your backyard then it's it, it, and it was really just like a five foot dude walking through your backyard you know yeah. like it's it's your no. credibility is going to go down and everybody else's credibility is going to go down and it's just going to fuck with the whole thing yeah no fish tails uh the fifth takeaway is that ufos and uaps have been spotted accelerating to supersonic speeds um which is huge because supersonic we don't that do means, supersonic yeah that's not man-made that's not human made that's not us that's our species made world that's technology. not even world technology yeah. that we unless know it's of. in our world exactly that we know of the the technology is, goes way further like government has higher technology than we know about yes so commander david fravor a former navy commander uh, said that the three fellow military pilots that spotted the white tic-tac-shaped object in 2004 off of San Diego um, hovering below their jets and just above the Pacific Ocean, which he believed was beyond our current understanding of physics and material science well beyond our time 20 years plus, like probably 40 years plus um, in his uh, professional opinion as like military pilot um, number six takeaway is there's been multiple new types of UFOs described which you know I said I said types because I mean there are there's like ones I never I mean maybe other people they're not new to them but to me they're new so um, mr. Graves testified about a dark gray or black cube inside of a clear sphere with no obvious means of propulsion propulsion um, this was witnessed by multiple military pilots as close as 50 feet away from the UAP um, near, near military training sites off the eastern seaboard which is crazy because there are like we've always just it's always been just the standard spaceship, the circle disc spaceship. When you told me about the Tic Tac spaceship, the Tic Tacs, 
you just told me about that a few months ago, like, that I just learned about that, like, when we started this podcast. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I didn't even know about that. And then to find out that there's even more different kinds that people are seeing is crazy. Yeah, and there's multiple because as well as the UFO size of a football field with red lights and orbs around it, which they saw fleets of those around their military installations and bases. That's so crazy. Um, Then also, as you mentioned, there's a tic-tac-shaped UFO that was spotted in 2004, um, which that one had smaller ones coming out the bottom of it based on Mr. Fravor's... um, testimony yeah um number seven takeaway is the misappropriated u.s taxpayer funds that's a huge takeaway because that is taking money away from me (laughs) from all of us so um they did um state that private contractors have their own funding and private funding but there is also the united states money that is misappropriated through possibly irad and that's per David Grush. Um, IRAD is helping to fund um, the UAP, UAP research and development of reverse engineering of crafts. Um, and he did say he can get into specifics of what contractors, where these programs are taking place, but he has to do that in a skiff. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did say it's happening, but he can't say where or how, like how much money is being misappropriated um the other takeaway number eight is the talk mr grush stated that these uaps or ufos could possibly be interdimensional beings mr grush discussed a scientific theory which is currently being studied It is possible that these UAPs and non-biologics are interdimensional beings rather than from another planet or outer space. He referenced his knowledge of astrophysics and the holographic principle. He used an analogy of a shadow, a 2D image into a 3D model. And then, for those who don't know um, what the holographic principle is, I do have the definition. So, the definition of a holographic, uh, the holographic principle is, the holographic principle is a property of string theories and a supposed property of quantum gravity. It states that the description of a volume of space can be thought of as encoded on a lower dimensional boundary to the region. The principle holds that our three-dimensional world, so that's why he said the shadow, so our three-dimensional world is a representation or a projection of all of this activity taking place on a two-dimensional surface. The information content inside a room depends on not the volume of the room, but the area of the bounding walls. Wow. That's why he used That's the analogy like, of a shadow. Because you would cat your body would cast a shadow. Yeah. That shadow is like what the UFOs and UAPs could be like a shadow of something from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Really? That's what he's saying. That's, That's interesting. Yeah, but it wouldn't make sense if they crash and then they retrieve they have them. them. Then it's yeah. not a. It's like a not solid. a shadow. It's really there. So I don't know how that works, but I don't understand. I don't understand be, string theory. I don't understand any of that either. But I wonder if that could be why there's different shapes now and like different different types of UFOs. I wonder if some of those UFOs are what he's saying, like a shadow type thing, like the Tic Tacs or. Yeah. Or, or like it, it, like an illusion of them coming down and out of them and stuff. And I don't know. So, um, and that is all just scientific theory that has not been proven. Uh, the holographic principle is just a theory. Mm-hmm. And then also we're going to define, define interdimensional beings. Um, you may or may not know what it is, but an interdimensional being is an adjective that describes something or someone that exists or travels between dimensions of space or time. So they could be time, time travelers. travelers. That's what I always thought. 
that yeah. UFOs were just time travelers. It could be time travelers. Like, it's like people from like, you know, thousands of years in the future. Mm-hmm. And a dimension is a state of energy that can be different from another. An interdimensional being is a hypothetical creature that can move or change its dimensional state. So it could be time traveler. It could, I don't know. It could just move wherever it wants to move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so those are the def- uh, the definitions that um, go with um, his claim, uh, Mr. Grush's claim that they are uh, they are studying this science scientifically. It's being studied and nothing has been proven. But that could be one of that's one of the theories of what the UAPs and UFOs could be, because they don't know exactly. A number nine a takeaway is attacks, murders, and injuries. Mm-hmm. So according to Mr. Grush's testimony, he has personally been administratively attacked. He knows of people who have been seriously injured mm-hmm. and has known of, he has knowledge of people dying or being murdered due to this phenomenon. He stated that in you know uh, he stated that he directed them all to the appro- appropriate authorities and he couldn't say more publicly so so he, people have been murdered over their information they've been murdered they've been injured and they've been administratively Don't you mean, uh, attacked mean clinton and um he he knows specifics um he um a, he directed them to the appropriate authorities, I guess, so that way they can, you know, arrest them if they're going to be arrested. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, number 10 takeaway, Area 51. Everyone always wants to know about Area 51. Well, guess what? It's mm-hmm. on record. Anything that was at Area 51 in relation to UAPs or UFOs has been moved or is no longer there. So Area 51, I'm sorry to say, people, that's not where we want to look. We need to look other places. We need to move on from Area 51 if we really want to know what's going on because there isn't anything there anymore. And number 11, you're going to love this one, Jenna, no peeking. Number 11 takeaway. Mr. Grush is very skiffy and the only (laughs) thing Mr. Grush is very skimpy, and they all need to meet with him in a closed setting. So do it now. <laughs> and I guess number 12 is there's going to be new legislation that is going to be passed. I don't know what, or they don't even know what. They have to figure it out uh, regarding all of this to help uh, with transparency. And the chairman did state that stuff that is classified, certain things need to be declassified. Yes. Um, and... Yeah, so that's where we're at with this UAP hearing. Uh, Let us know what you think about the takeaways. Um, Do you think they could be interdimensional beings, time travelers? Do you think it's something from Russia in regards to Article 3? Did you even know about Article 3? I I really, I think that that, um, they definitely could be time travelers. I've always thought that. But I wonder if they could be time travelers from another planet like what if we've already left this planet in like 2,000 years we've gone to another planet and technically we are the aliens in the future coming back to this planet to try to fix this planet before we fuck it up oh another takeaway that I didn't write down is that they actually said on record that the UAPs UFOs are very interested in our nuclear technology and uh, for whatever reason, they're very interested in it, which makes sense why they would be in Article 3, because Article 3 talks about nuclear missiles. And uh-huh. they said that, that that's why the UAPs were in the article, because they have been spotted around the nuclear installations or wherever but they that, house them or whatever. I don't know. So like, that whatever. might not even be out of the world or whatever. That, no, that, that could be another be, country. It could be China or Russia or trying to whoever. come in and see our nuclear shit. I mean, we just had the China spy balloon. Yeah. That was a UAP. What happened with that? We still don't know. See, and I don't understand. Like, what happened with that? What happened with Maui? It's classified. What happened with everything? It's classified. Everything is so important until it's not. And then it's like, no, everyone forgot about Maui? Like, what the fuck? Everyone forgot about the spy balloon? What the fuck? A year ago, that was like, or, you know, 10 months ago, that was like a huge fucking deal. And now it's just like, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, what was that in February? Yeah, it was in February. Like, why isn't that like a thing now? Like, what what happened? They're not going to declassify that that soon. This stuff is from two thousand four. Yeah, but why is the news doing something or wanting something? They're being being paid off. Because the news is already on the bigger next story. What's the next story? Yeah. What's going on now? Yeah. You know, the war. There are wars everywhere. The Israel, war is breaking Palestine. out. There's Palestine, always Israel. war everywhere. They've you been know, at war Ukraine, for hundreds Russia. of years. I mean, there, right. there's, there's more important things, I guess. I mean, that's happening, I guess. War is important. We need to, we need to focus on that now. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> uh, don't forget to... Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. And thank you so much again for sticking with us through this UAP hearing. And um, we appreciate you. We hope that you have a wonderful day. Do not forget to email us at conspiraciesunlocked at gmail.com for all your phenomenal fan experiences and And UFO sightings. UFO sightings. We would love to put your um, encounter in our next episode. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye.